Coming up next on The Voice of Alabama Politics, a game changer. Also, the V-Team takes a look at a Supreme Court race. And there's fear and loathing in D.C. over Alabama's Senate seat. I guess this is just another lost cause, Mr. Payne. They're not afraid of that guy. They're afraid of these guys. Ooh. All this and much, much more coming up next on The V. of Alabama politics, where we tackle the tough issues so you have the hard facts. I'm your host, Bill Britt, and today I'm joined by Beth Clayton, attorney at law and Democratic strategist, also Susan Britt, associate editor of APR, and radio host and Republican strategist, Jack Campbell. Hello. How you doing, Jack? Fine, how you doing? Hi, doing okay? Doing great, we're Good. here. Well, never a dull week in Montgomery, or, or in the state, really. Uh, this past week, Jack, uh, Montgomery elected its first black mayor. Stephen Reed was elected by an overwhelming majority in the, the capital city, and it, it shook some people up and, and made some other people very proud. Yeah, um, it was an historic election, that's for sure. He worked mighty hard, so did David Woods, but I just think that Stephen Reed's message was much more concise and a lot clearer than uh, David. David didn't, he would throw things out like we need precincts in every neighborhood. We need, but he never got into the specifics of his plan. And I think people, we had somebody called our radio show who had watched one of the debates and t took him to task and said, you were ill-prepared. Well, and, and, and I've He's heard, a great guy, but yeah. he just doesn't connect. Well, and the other thing that, that happened here, again, it, it is a minority-majority city, uh, uh, Montgomery is, mm -hmm. but Beth, in the way that he won by 67%, he had to have a good deal of the white population's vote. Right. I mean, he definitely had a coalition of people who supported him. And I'll admit, I've been critical of him <coughs> really since the day he announced his campaign, and a lot of that is because of who his father is. Um, but I'm excited to see if he can really pull the city together and make it where there's not an East Montgomery and a West Montgomery and public schools and private schools and all of the division that we see in this city. Um, I'm curious to see if he can pull it together. And I wish him all the best of luck in doing it. I, he's the mayor now, and I hope he's successful. I mean, Susan, he got a lot of flack, especially for the Wood campaign, mm -hmm. about his father, Joe Reed, who has been a, a, a firebrand of Democratic politics going back to the days of Emory Fulmer here in the, the city. Uh, the people around uh, Stephen Reed tell me that his father is not, he is not his father's son. Right, that, that's a lot of people we've talked to say he's not his father's son, and that is a concern around this, around Montgomery as Joe Reed being involved. Now, I understand that, that Joe Reed was not involved in the campaign. Let's see if he can stay out of the mayor's office. Right. I hope Stephen can keep him yeah. out, because he, the, this mayor has got some real promise. He's got some real good ideas plans, 
and a positive attitude, and I hope it stays that way. Well, he was on our radio show Monday, and I specifically asked him, how involved will your father be in the day-to-day -day operations of the mayor's office? And he's like, look, he doesn't mess with me as probate judge. And he had a very satisfactory answer. Now, whether it stays the, the truth, we'll see. Well, he's, I, I think sometimes Joe Reed can't help himself. Right. right. Well, he's 45 years old. He actually still is fairly new to politics as an elected official, and as I always say, he has plenty of time to get corrupted. Well, so. and, and Bill, if I can, just right. while we're talking about historic elections, um, not only was you know Stephen Reed elected in Montgomery, but Tim Raglan won the mayor's race in Talladega right. yeah, by right. like 40 to 50 votes. Yeah. Um, and Tim and I go way back to our college gyms days, and I'm just, I'm so proud of the work yeah. that he did there too. Well, listen, I, I like to see young people in office I like to see diversity. I like to see folks of color. I like to see women in there. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's face it. White men like me have done a whole lot of damage. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it, I'm okay. I'm happy to give others a chance to do this. Speaking of a white-on-white -white race, uh, is uh, uh, Senator Cam Ward is Susan challenging mm -hmm. uh, Associate Justice Greg Shaw for place one on the Supreme Court. Uh, it's not often the case that we see one conservative Republican challenge another Republican for the same seat, but here we have Ward versus Shaw for the Republican nominee, nomination for Supreme Court. Yeah, and I think it's a good thing, and we're talking about having uh, younger people. Uh, Shaw's been there like 20 years now, yeah. or almost 20 years. Um, Cam has a different perspective uh, caveat, he is a friend of ours, but he has a different perspective on the law simply because he spent time in the AG's office, he spent time in the legislature, so he has a different way of looking at interpretations of the law that I think is a very fresh start that we need to start in the Alabama Supreme Court. Well, I, and I think a lot of uh, Senator Ward, because he has pushed criminal justice reforms, being fair in sentencing and all that, in politics, I have no friends, right. but again, he is. I respect him, and I know what you mean. Mm -hmm. He's somebody you can talk to one-on-one. Mm -hmm. -on -one. Jack, you you know both these men pretty well. I do, and I, I know, I've known Cam for well. I've known Greg Shaw for a long time because I was working at the court when I think when he got elected. But um, I also have known Cam Ward for a long time, and he is a jam-up guy. And quite frankly, I'd like to see him win that seat. Get some new blood on the court. When we were talking about this in pre-show, you know, one of the things we were saying, okay, well, we know Shaw's been on the bench. Like, what has he really done? And we started Googling him. And remember, he's one of those judges who were accused on the Mike Hubbard case. Right, right. And we thought, well, huh, I wonder why that is. And, I mean, I respect Cam. I think Cam is better than most people who the Republicans would put on the bench. But when we started looking into it, remember, Greg Shaw took $2,500 from Mike Hubbard's pack. Storm pack. The year that Mike Hubbard got indicted. So that's not the kind of person I want to see on the bench from either party. Well, I think the, the thing is, and, and here's where I'm at. If you look at the Brett, if you look at some of our Supreme Court justices right now, mm -hmm. one was a probate judge before becoming mm -hmm. a Supreme Court justice. Mm -hmm. A couple of them have never done anything but be on the Supreme Court or on, on the appellate court. One of them was a tax lawyer, Gross. right? What do they really know about these high-level decisions? I would venture to say little or nothing. They've learned on the job, and some of their decisions have been flagrantly 
just flagrant disregards of, of Alabama law. Or, or the lack of decisions on like yeah. my covered. Right. That's been going on four months now. Yeah. They, they heard the opening <clears throat> arguments and they still not ruled. Cam Ward started out working for Bill Pryor right out of law school. Cam went over to the uh, Attorney General's office. Then he went in to work in the Republican Party for a number of years. Then he worked in the House as a House Representative member, then in the Senate. And like I said, criminal justice and the law has been his main champion, mm -hmm. uh, the main thing he championed all the time. But we're going to have to leave it right there. You're watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Jones raised $2 million last quarter. What did the rest of them raise? Hey, I'm Jamie Johnson. When we reach the age of 18, voting becomes our civic duty. But what if it was our job? We wouldn't be so quick to call in sick or go back home if the lines were too long or just dismiss the idea altogether. Elections are also how we collectively write the song that tells our story, and voting is our solitary voice. So register to vote and go get your government-issued photo ID and add your voice to the song of Alabama. What a great opportunity for your success. Adding half a million highly skilled employees to our workforce by 2025 is how we stay ahead in Alabama. Our economy is stronger than it's been in years, and a skilled workforce is more important than ever. Things move fast, so choose your path. Your success is waiting, plus a great future for Alabama. Success plus. Go for it. for a drive later, maybe. Text some friends while I'm doing it. Scroll through social media. Kill a family four and a head on collision. Cool, man. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. Uh, this past week was qualifying for the Alabama Republican Party. A lot of, a lot of big names down at the party headquarters in uh, Birmingham. Uh, and Terry Lathan chose that day to hold a press conference and a rally uh, to support President Trump and to call out Doug Jones, who has taken a stand somewhat on impeachment, but a rather a weak stand and not a definitive stand, but she wants him to clarify where he stands on impeaching the president. Well, I'm not a fan of Terry Lathan, but I think that's probably a legitimate question to ask because I think that is 
what party faithful people want to know. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it's not really backing him in a corner because I'm sure he has an answer. Yeah. He probably does support impeachment or getting the process started. I think that's a legitimate question. I just wish somebody smarter than Terry Lathan had asked it. And I wish that the statement that they released, I mean, I'm going to push back on this a little bit. She says, um, back again with the party of Senator Doug Jones trying to overthrow our president in a despicable display reminiscent of a third world political coup. First of all, impeachment starts in the House, as we went over last week. Doug Jones is in the Senate. So Doug Jones constitutionally has nothing to do with this right now besides just saying where he's at on it. Secondly, like, this is not a coup. I, I, this, it, uh, they're the four corners of the Constitution. A coup is outside of that document. So if you now have a method inside the Constitution, it's not a I mean, it's just, don't. Well, I, and, and I want to pick that up from this standpoint. In 1998, when the Republican <clears throat> House was going to impeach Bill Clinton, the Democrats came out and called the the process probably a coup a coup right. so now we've got republicans acting exactly like democrats acted back then oh don't tell them that that'll get them mad Bill. well it's true <laughs> though i mean they're acting because it's what you just, go ahead susan yeah just let's get it okay republicans and democrats please listen to what i'm about to say the definition of a coup verbatim is a sudden decisive or de decisive exercise of force in politics especially a violent overthrow or alteration of an existing government by a small group use, usefully or usually a military coup d'etat of a dictator. Yeah. Well, right, that's, that's a coup. That's a this coup. is not impeachment's not <coughs> a coup. Impe it's a constitutional function. In, in, impeachment was laid out by the founding fathers as a way to remove the president, vice president and certain officials. Yeah, the coup will be when President Trump loses in 2020 <coughs> and he refuses to acknowledge the election. Oh. That would be, I'm just giving an example. Oh, like Hillary did uh, several years ago. Did She's she, still thinking she won. She's not sitting in the Oval Office. Well, you know what? She doesn't know that. <laughs> they're, they're, you know, they're politicians. There's any number of delusions that follow them around like dirt on pig pen. Uh, I, I will go to the next thing, and, and I, I, I just wish we'd use words accurately. Accurately, you know. Right. Uh, Jones, Susan, raised $2 million mm -hmm. in the third quarter. He, he, he announced those numbers. We haven't heard a word from Bradley Byrne or Tommy Tuberville or John Merrill or any of those people yet right. <coughs> on releasing their numbers. You'd think if anybody raised two million bucks, they'd be talking about it. Well, I mean, Doug Jones did talk about it, and he talked about it a week <coughs> before it's actually due. Right. Uh, so these people already know what their numbers are for last quarter. They, they're they not due until next week, and so they're not available online yet. But you'd think if anybody had raised anywhere near that, they'd be crowing about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Jones has around five million, Jack. That, that's that's hardly enough for a Senate race these days. But uh, That's true. I mean, it's a good start, though. Yeah. Well, a year out, they're not doing too bad. Yeah, that's yeah. that's for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like government. Five million here, five million there. Finally, I still you're need to write him money. a check now that y'all reminded me about it. I well, owe him a couple thousand dollars. Uh, I tell you, the, the worst part about this, though, and, and, and I... I mean this with all due respect, as you say before you're going to trash someone, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is that we have talked to folks in D.C. and they say that they are terrified that it's going to be either Tuberville or Roy Moore. They're afraid that there's going to be a runoff 
between those two mm -hmm. in the Republican primary. And they don't really want either one of them, Susan. Well, if you look at the numbers right now, Bradley Barnes sliding in the polls. Tuberville is gaining ground. Roy Moore is gaining ground. So you're looking at a runoff between Tuberville and Roy Moore. I don't think Washington wants either one of those guys up there. I, Why would I, they I care if it was Tuberville, though? Because he's not an insider? Well, a lack of experience, for one thing. You can't go football coach to, to the Senate. No, I, and remember, too, in the size field that we're looking at for the Republicans, I don't necessarily see a path towards there not being a runoff. But when you have a case like this where one party's going to a runoff and one party has a nominee right out of the primary, that basically hamstrings that party going into a primary because the party, in theory, doesn't touch it. You know, a lot of people are stuck spending money fighting those in battles. So the best thing I think that can happen for Doug is regardless of who it is in the primary, there's a dirty primary fault that costs a lot of money because he can keep raising it while the Republicans keep spending it. Well, and I don't know. Uh, I can't answer your question, Jack. I just. I, well, I mean, Harry Truman owned a haberdashery before he became a uh, U.S. senator. Well, well, he had been in the House before. Had he not been in the House? Before? I don't know. I don't remember. Maybe not. Anyway, what's wrong with a haberdasher? I mean, he could have been a shrubber. Well, I mean, it's the same, you know, like a coach. Rod, are you have it, Asher? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's, you know, look, I don't know. You know, my my opinion has always been like this, and I, I'm probably one of the few people that believes this. I don't go to my auto mechanic to get my teeth pulled, <laughs> you know, and I don't want someone who's never been in politics to all of a sudden be the senior senator <coughs> or possibly the senior senator from right. Alabama. And I, I had the same thought, you know, before we really got involved in the state house down here that, you know, fresh face, somebody that's not been involved in politics before. And then I started watching the way the Senate runs here in Alabama and realizing that you're going to have some people with some know-how to actually be able to understand what they're or doing. Or at least the humility to stop and learn what you're doing mm -hmm. first. And I think that's part of the problem with some of these folks mm -hmm. is they don't know what they're doing and they aggressively don't know what they're doing. Well, I mean, uh, our reporters in the field have, have questioned uh, Coach Tuberville numerous times and his answers are always, why well, support the president? Well, you've got to have more of a platform than I support the president. Yeah, ask David no, Woods. You yeah. <laughs> you got to know more about it. I want I somebody who's got an ability to, to, to have original thinking. And if he does, then he should be able to answer our reporters' questions yeah. without just simply right. stating, I support the president. Well, that's going to be the last word. You're watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. What in the world was is going on with the Democratic Party? Energy Institute of Alabama promotes reliable, affordable, and clean energy to help grow our economy, create high-paying jobs, and build public support for Alabama's energy industry. The Energy Institute of Alabama is the best source of energy industry information and how it affects households across the state, from convenient energy production to alternative fuels to solar power and beyond. What are you doing today, babe? I thought I'd head down to the lake with the guys, do a little fishing. Of course, none of us will be wearing our seat belts. I'll lose control of the truck, wrap it around a tree, and kill us all. Okay.
Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. Hello, I'm William Wyatt Bibb, the first governor of Alabama. On December 14, 1819, Alabama became the 22nd state to enter the Union. This year, we celebrate 200 years of statehood. There is no better way to commemorate our 200th anniversary than by registering to vote and securing your government-issued photo ID. Together, let's make a difference for Alabama. Of Alabama politics. Susan, uh, this is kind of a little off the topic of uh, politics, but we're going to see how it plays out. Mm -hmm. Birmingham race course and, uh, that has a paramutual gaming license uh, and approved by the state. They, they started out in 1987, I think it was. This past week, they put in something called Instant Race, which is a, a game that plays horse races, historical horse races, actually horse races that have taken place. And <clears throat> a player can go to the machine, pick it, all the machines are connected. They go to the machine and they, they can pick a race or they can pick a horse, they can pick conditions, they can do a lot of things to increase the odds of winning, mm -hmm. especially if they have a historical knowledge, uh, like in fantasy football where you have a lot of knowledge about the players. Uh, but you can do that and you can press a button and you, you're betting on that race and if your horse comes in or you win. You can also bypass a lot of that by just, you know, saying you pick randomly for me and that. Play it all around the country. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's very big at, at tracks. And so they put one in up in uh, the Birmingham race course. They put in a little over 300 and they reported that they had huge crowds coming in to play it. Now, there are two things that I see here that are really interesting. One is that these types of machines, uh, you know, were approved under uh, Bill Pryor when he was mm -hmm. uh, the attorney general. And then later on, there was a call for another uh, attorney general opinion and, and uh, Troy King. Troy King, lost my mind. Jack, thank you. Uh, did it. And then recently, our current uh, AG issued Mark. the same opinion down in Mobile and up in the Greyhound track. So there are a lot of people that want to yell and scream, but this is totally legal. This is very different than what we, we've been dealing with. The, these are paramutual games. Just the same as horse racing or dog racing. It falls under the same rules as paramutual gaming. It is not bingo where you have to have a second player. It is not a slot machine, it's a standalone machine. This is based on racing. So it, it falls under the paramutual guidelines, which has been legal since forever in Alabama. Yeah, yeah. For, so it's, man, man, 50, your eyes glazing yeah, over Hugh Jackson. No, I could think of nothing more boring than going and betting on a damn dog. Me, me too. Why, it's horses. It's horses. Uh, me too, Jack, but you know what? There are people who want to I know it, and, and they, they have run out of things to do. Well, and my thing is, though, I mean, they've paid $100 million in taxes in the past 30 years. Why don't we just, I mean... And $50 million into education. Right. Why don't we just try, I mean, because as you are describing the differences, like, my lawyer brain can understand the differences, but, like, my practical brain is still, like, why can't we just do this? I mean, I, and I know the answer why. It's Porch Creek. Um, but 
why are we still trying to le legislate morality? Why don't we just say y'all do it and do it within the confines of, you know, because, business? you know, you first had Bob Riley, because he got mad at Milton McGregor. He decided that bingo machines were illegal, even though they'd been legal forever. Right. And then he did all these raids. That's legal. what I'm saying. It's like we've made such a mess of yeah. all of this. Why don't we just say legalize it? Y'all go have fun, pay your taxes, and we'll see you later. Because the Porch Creek want to own gaming in the state. And Jack, well, I don't want, I don't gamble. I can gamble on a bingo machine up to forty dollars before I start losing my mind that I'm, I'm wasting my money. Yeah, okay, but of the three hundred plus machines, they were lined up. They didn't have enough machines the day they opened. That's how many people well, want I to do think that. It's, it's interesting. Maybe they should send us on a retreat to go check these machines. Uh, I think we should, too. I do, too. Well, I mean... Maybe I, we can get the state to pay for it like they did Marshall's trip to Mexico. Oh, hey, sour <laughs> grapes. Finding <laughs> Sour grapes, Sorry Jack. Sorry to Mexico. Listen, I was very proud of, of Steve Marshall. I hate to stoop so low, but, you know, he could have been a jerk and tried to, you know argue about Bill Pryor. Good luck with that Republican primary. <laughs> Call Bill Pryor's <laughs> decision wrong. But I tell you what is interesting uh, is, Beth, we're, we're coming to you on this one. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> the DNC has approved the bylaws that Nancy Worley and Joe Reed didn't out want. Out of there. Yeah. yeah. They are on, I mean, they are, that goose is cooked is what it looks like to me. So they... The members of the SDC, the state committee, used this special provision and did a members called meeting that didn't require Chairwoman Worley. Um, she chose not to attend for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. She decided that'd be in her interest. And they passed new bylaws that are more inclusive. They are consistent with the DNC. And now Nancy is having her tea party. Um, well, had her tea party, I guess, yesterday. Yeah, right. And I mean, I. The only thing I can see coming out of this is they're going to file it's gonna be a, lawsuit. a lawsuit. But look, Jack, I mean, the DNC approved the bylaws that were passed without Nancy and Joe Reed there. Yeah. Which actually effectively means that they're going to remove Joe Reed and, and Nancy Worley. Because we have new elections coming up on November 2nd right. under those new bylaws. Right. I kind of like having them there as a Republican. <laughs> and I think we did, Chris England is now the unofficial <coughs> official ringleader right. for the time until November 2nd. And I don't right. think we could have chosen better than no, that. I Chris would agree England. with that. He is a brilliant, brilliant man. Knows where he's going, mm -hmm. knows how he got there. He does. And, uh, and this is, once again, where And Nancy he's a Worley. lot better to look at than this same picture of Nancy <laughs> we keep seeing. Well, that Jack said he's like for a stay there. I'm like tired of the picture. I'd like to have a contest to count the dots on her dress. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that'd be a fun fun. Without going over. Like jelly beans in a jar. Yeah, yeah. Jack, do you, know the, do you know the theory of the smaller the, uh, the ruler, the bigger the elephant? Uh, I don't quite know what that means. <coughs> well, because if you take a thing and you wrap it around the elephant, it weighs this much. I mean, it's this big, the circumference yeah, is that big. Yeah, okay. If you take an a inch ruler and you measure it, you got to measure all the little folds so it's bigger. That's kind of what you got right here. Oh, huh. God. <coughs> you meant somebody rubbed it or something. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the subject. Yes. Back to the Chris England is one. I was just trying to say Chris England's a cutie pie. Andy he is. is oh, all God. Our no, uh, no, we. If I said that, would be misogyny. What do you call it when you're. You're over here fat shaming Nancy. I, and I'm not, not saying Chris I was talking about guy. measuring an elephant. <laughs> if, if that isn't raw beauty, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not going to say anything about Nancy, because I mean, I don't, 
I That's shot whatever. an elephant in my bathroom. <laughs> That's whatever. I got but in my bathroom, I'll never know. Chris certainly looks better at a press conference. Well, well for, he is, most of the time in a room, he is one of the smartest guys in Well, the and what we need is a strong two-party system yes. so that we cut down on some of the shenanigans here in the state. But that's going to have to be it for today. You've been watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. You watch us, because we watch them. <laughs>